We're back for the Lakers Fast Break post game here on YouTube. I'm your host, Magic Man, a.k.a. Sean Grice. Gerald Glassford is with me live from a motel or a hotel or a, a nice Sheridan uh, near Burbank. Uh, in Burbank? Near Burbank? Burbank, yes. Yeah, the Hotel right. Burbank. Okay. Thank you very much, Gerald. Hopefully you have the nice amenities that... Uh, yes. I try. I try. All right. We also have Zangerstein with us. He welcome into the post game show, and we also have the infamous John Costa from Lakers Corner. Infamous. And, I like that. Mm, absolutely. Uh, welcome in everybody. Lakers win one thirty three one twelve. Uh, I was hoping it was going to be a twenty five point victory, but they had to give up a couple of slushy threes there at the end that. Um, that really weren't guarding against. That being said, Lakers took care of business. Uh, after a sluggish start, it was 58-57 Lakers at half, and they just stormed out of the gates in that third quarter. Ladies and gents, it was a 41-23 third quarter. Lakers didn't look back. Uh, LeBron and AD uh, left the game at around the 637-640 mark, guys, of the third quarter. Didn't re-enter, didn't need to. Uh, great win overall. And, uh, Gerald, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, how did you feel about the win tonight? Well, kind of shaky in that first half. We only led by one coming into halftime. But the Lakers, you got to give them credit for today. They did what they need to do against a very, very bad team in Charlotte. And they got it done in that third quarter. And it was mostly the reserves that did it, uh, led by Austin Reeves, uh, I know a lot of people are clamoring for him to go ahead and get back into the starting lineup. I think better. I think he's better where he's at. I think he's better as a sixth man coming off the bench. I think it's really suited to his taste. Plus also as well, he just is not as much of a liability playing against the second team units like that as far as his defense is concerned. Really gets a chance to go ahead and uh, flourish a little bit more coming off the bench. Gets 16 for you tonight. D'Angelo Russell for once started to playing and the first time in a long time has pl uh, played really well coming off the bench tonight. Also had 16 plus 18 and Max Christie showed up after weeks of trying to figure out what's going on with that kid. Finally got some run, uh, got 10 points tonight. Uh, actually got a couple blocks early on, looked pretty good. Yeah. So the team, uh, like I said, coming off the bench, they did what they needed to do. They let LeBron and, and AD halfway through the third quarter sit and basically did not need them again. And when for a team that's now 17 and 15, still has a ways to go up in the Western Conference, this is exactly what they need to do tonight because the fact is you've got, of course, this weekend, you got Minnesota and New Orleans, and that's going to be a bigger test than what they saw tonight. 100% agree. Thank you very much, Gerald. And also joining us is uh, Z, uh, our great friend Zingerstein, great panelist, great commentator during playback. And please join us on playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break in the future. Uh, Z, uh, what was most important about tonight was that we pregame, we discussed the fact that if the Lakers were going to be a balanced team, it would require, you know, Rui coming into the starting lineup. Now, Rui, AD, and LeBron had a really great third quarter. 
bit of a shaky first quarter, but that third quarter was really impressive. Uh, what did you like about the uh, the change in the lineup? And as you said, what made for more balance? Okay, so my first take was during the first quarter, they were not, they're on drop. It's a drop coverage and it doesn't fit that lineup because Rui is a slow defender. So, so you can, he cannot hedge, he cannot help AD on that lineup. But they changed that on the third quarter. They switch more, which is on Rui's strengths. That's what we talked about earlier, right? That Rui is fit to switch on that lineup. And Vando and I think Vando and Prince has the chemistry because Vando is um, taking a lot of, is hedging a lot, he's helping a lot of their, his teammates. So that's that's what i saw they changed that and it worked because those three it's kind of funny because those three Rui, ad and lebron has the highest efficiency in any of the lakers lineup since last season they work together pretty well since last season so it's it's hard to imagine why is ham not using them more together with D'Lo and Austin, because that's everything that we wanted. We wanted the players that the Lakers paid to play together. It, it just doesn't make sense that they're not. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, they all should be starting. I'm just saying that they should play more within the game. And the, uh, the second one that I saw was during the the first quarter, the reason why um, the Hornets were shooting a lot because the defense that Ham wants that drop coverage, where they are leaving a lot of three pointers, it has been scouted. Everyone knows it. So if everyone knows it, then the coach of the opponent will tell his team that, oh, your shots are going to be here, right? Because they're leaving this, shoot this with confidence, and it's going to go in. That's a simple concept. But on the third quarter, they changed that because they're switching more. So they're not leaving the three-point shooters anymore. And the second one is they did not play. I think they did not play the Prince, D'Lo, and Austin lineup they went to what worked on the first quarter which is austin dilo and max those trio worked on the as on the second unit with Rui. i think because Rui is a big player he fits with wood the five out concept fits well with wood Rui, austin dilo and max because all five can shoot trees so everyone can shoot and that worked and that's everything that we wanted we wanted a combination of defense and offense within the lineups and without compromising Dilo and austin you need that defender which is in this not in this time max to help them 
that's why they work. And it's kind of funny because Tilo and Austin has, has worked since last season. The only lineup that is a negative with two of them is with Prince. That's the only trio that doesn't work, and it hasn't. So I think Ham should stop that. That's all. That, no, great, great points there, Z. And um, uh, just to just to illustrate what uh, what you said, uh, a starting a starting lineup uh, that went eighteen and seven last year to end the year, went eight and four through two rounds of the playoffs, and then basically two games. It has played exactly one minute together this year. That's uh, D'Lo, Austin, Rui. Uh, AD and uh, uh, excuse me, Vando and LeBron. So uh, it just goes to illustrate that you know again what, what Coach Darvinham talked about last year that he wanted to emphasize and reiterate over and over again was that he really wanted to find a, a, a starting five that could gel together and play for a while. But old habits die hard. And I welcome in John Costa here. And John, he went with another starting five again. I mean, this time it was more out of necessity because Cam was hurt. But what do you make of this starting five? And uh, do you agree with Z that it was provided more balance? And did you see anything else, any other wrinkles that uh, uh, some Laker fans might have missed tonight? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I do think that at the end of the day, this lineup had to, it was just something that we had to do because of injuries, because of, you know, players, players available. Uh, but we, we actually talked about this on the, on, on the last stream, right, where uh, we're running these lineups of where LeBron is the point guard, LeBron is the initiator, and we love it. It's great. But the only thing that we, we talked about then is, is s- sustainability. How long are we going to be able to do this? Um, as we should not be looking to, you know, beat beat the Hornets on December twenty eighth. We should be looking down the line so that we're, we're ready. You know, we'll take the win against the Hornets. We'll take it. We'll, we're happy with it. But we're looking at how can how can we have our players ready come down the line, come playoffs. And uh, for that, I don't think the, the the solution to that will be you know giving LeBron heavy minutes at the one. I love it's great. Uh, we we saw the LeBron and AD pick and roll was what. Working to working to perfection and, and all that, um, but what I saw, you know, what I kind of want to touch on in this game is I know Gerald he was talking about how you know the first half wasn't too great. Uh, Lakers led by one coming into the half, but then coming into the fourth we led by 19 points though, so that was a huge turnaround to us because of that great third quarter we had scoring 41 points. Credit to the defense, but to me overall the 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 biggest story of this game has to be credit to our bench and 63 points off the bench tonight. What that's one thing that Lakers Nation, we know that we've we've struggled with getting bench production, getting production from the other guys. Tonight came up big. We had D'Lo NAR 16 points, had Maxi, he got on the phone with 10. Hayes had 10. Wood only had nine points, but it if you were watching the game, it felt like a it felt like those nine points took us a long way. Only missed one shot all game long. And I mean ultimately to me, I, I really hope that this wakes up Darvin Ham and makes him realize that, yo, when Wood plays, we can get some valuable minutes here, man. So um, I, th- that th- that's my that's my biggest takeaway from this game is uh, I love the win. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy with the lineup. 
uh, just don't want to, you know, put too much too much strain on LeBron at that one, which is great that you know tonight he him and AD were able to rest for the for the entire fourth quarter. But Ham needs to wake up and realize that um, Wood needs some minutes out there. I know sometimes he goes to Hayes, but Wood definitely needs some minutes. Hundred percent agree. Thanks a lot for commentary initially here, John. We'll get back to you. And we also have a packed house. Joe Soros joining us, and Joe. Uh, just to piggyback of what uh, John was saying there, 63 points uh, from the bench. So that's a season high. Um, they previously did have a, a season high with uh, Rui, uh, Rui Austin and um, D'Lo off the bench before. Uh, what do you like about this game? And second question is, would you continue with this starting five on Saturday in Minnesota? I don't know if I can judge anything off this game. Uh, the, the, to answer your first question, uh, I like the fact that uh, LeBron and AD didn't play a lot of minutes. I believe they were 25 and 26. I'd say that's probably the biggest benefit in this game. They essentially played a half a game, and that was it. Uh, LeBron might have looked lethargic at the beginning of the game, but I think that has more to do with the fact that he was probably just kind of gauging the game a little bit. He did step it up in the second half when he felt he, you know, probably wanted to uh, get going from there. Okay. Uh, so, and then of course we ended up making a run there in the third and pretty much closing out, closing out the uh, the game really early. Uh, that's all I was looking for in this game. Honestly, I I can't. I can't dictate or judge Darvin Ham's adjustments or whether Mike Christie played a good game or whether Christian Wood played a good game. I, I just, uh, the, the Charlotte Hornets actually, to me, might be worse than the Detroit Pistons in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I just can't. I can't. I must be saying it. something, Joe. Again, it, it's debatable. You have a point for either or, but um, Charlotte's just not a good team. <laughs> And at this point, the Lakers are going to, as far as Darvin Ham being stubborn and things like that, I don't, this is not something new. This is not something that uh, that usually is either bad or good. I mean, look at, look at Greg Popovich in San Antonio. You want to talk about stubborn. <clears throat> I think, I think noise needs to come out of San Antonio that Popovich might have over, might, might be overrunning his time. And that happens a lot with coaches. Their egos are just as big as players. A lot of these guys, obviously, I know Greg Popovich didn't play the NBA, but the majority of the, the, the coaching staffs and obviously the head coaches in the NBA are former players, and some of them are good players too. They're not t too terrible. So that ego goes uh, with them as a coach, and if they're not going to uh, adapt to what they have to adapt to, then – that's where that stubbornness comes in. And it's like Chuck Noll used to say, the great uh, Steelers head coach, stubbornness is a virtue uh, until you're wrong. And it's just, I, I, I most impressive part about the Lakers the last three weeks has been Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has been playing the way Anthony Davis is supposed to be playing. And I'm going to be looking at that more than anything here the next three months because if if he continues to play like this and he ends up playing more than 75 games during the year 
Oh, uh, and Joe, you'll be you'll be pleased to note that uh, they delete the statisticians do not credit him with three blocks. He was credited. Oh, with oh no, I've, I've already gotten used to that. Yeah, I've already gotten used to that. I, I, I literally saw him have three blocks uh, in the first quarter a few weeks back, and he only had one registered. And I'm and this was not a, a tip by the hip type thing either. This was above the ground. I, I don't know what the hell the deal is with these statisticians but apparently they don't like to give anthony davis any blocks but uh i do like his energy i do like his his feistiness the fact that uh he's not falling on the ground every 15 seconds as as a benefit i think that there's a mentality there that i haven't seen really since uh shoot i don't really know <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen him not fall even when he was playing really well, he just well I mean, he, he uh, there's no doubt about it the 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 two guys who like they're so the nomenclature with steals and blocks is stocks. I like the moniker bad b a d blocks uh deflections and altered shots so blocks altered shots deflections there's nobody on the bad list higher than a d and Wemby right now. Um, you could put Chet Holmgren in that category as well. Uh, Chet's a little bit more point of attack now than those two gentlemen are. That being said, Joe, I mean, they, you know, they don't really use uh, deflections and altered shots as a stat. And uh, it's it's a poor reflection on where we are within the game because those are just as significant as the steals of the blocks themselves. Their, their perimeter defense is still terrible. If I have to go negative on a few things, uh, allowing allowing Charlotte to continue to hit deep threes, short threes, whatever, uh, they're just not. Their fundamentals are not that good. AD is playing off of natural fundamentals. He's also playing with talent that very few people, if have ever had in there in, in the NBA. Uh, LeBron uh, being the exception to the rule in a lot of ways in terms of his uh, quote-unquote loafing. I know that uh, there was some... Gerald, if somebody could check this for me, I, be I believe this is the first time in about four or five years that the Lakers have won by 20 and nobody played more than 30, 30 minutes. Because even in the uh, blowouts, like for Memphis example, uh, their players have been playing over 30 minutes on that one. So yeah, I agree with you, yeah. Yeah, Russell played 29 exactly, 29 on the dot. I think it's been a while since I saw the Lakers just pull the hinges off anybody. Nobody By the way, my friend, I, 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 did note, I did note that to Coolbro that you, Sean, give the best love advice over Star Wars Theory. Just wanted to let them know that. I let them know in the pregame, so I just want to make sure that you you know that, my friend. So, Coolbro okay. was, yes. Cool bro went to Star Wars Theory for love advice, and he said Magic Man gave him better advice. So I just want to let you know. Okay, Magic Man. I got, I got you, Cool Bro. I got you. <laughs> I, I will never let another soulful brother down when it comes to the opposite sex. Listen to your uncle, Magic Man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, as we head back around, Gerald. So one one stat that does stand out amongst all of them was that the Lakers were perfect from the free throw line. Um, even in a game that was as choppy as this to start and even when they blew the doors off them in the fourth quarter, it just felt like they didn't lose their focus, like collectively. Yes, which and, we have seen before many times here recently. So it's, it was good to see, my friend. It was yeah, good to see. Yes, and combi- combined with the, the effort from Christian Wood, he uh, was perfect from, from deep, Gerald. Um, this was probably his best shooting game as a Laker. Agreed. Um, hopefully it uh, – it, uh, propels him forward for actually well before him and max christie you know they you know in the in the chat they're going off on how they want to see more wood they want to see more max christie whatnot there's reasons why they were dnps they both are having terrible seasons they've both been playing terribly they both have their had their issues and been exploited uh but they both also can bring things to the table if they just start to play a little bit more consistently i mean max had his run as a starter and he blew it Christian Wood has had opportunities early in the season, and he blew it. But now, with a game like this, they can use that against a really inferior team in Charlotte. You can take that as confidence. I don't know how much you're going to take from it as far as overall. Will they be able to play that well against New Orleans and Minnesota? I'm not sure. But again, at least you could have a little bit more confidence. They got some reps. They got some minutes back out there. Uh, they got the feeling of the ball going through the net for them. You, like you said, with Christian Wood, three for three. I would have actually utilized him a little bit in that Boston game. There was times where I thought that maybe Christian Wood, you know, could have kind of done and that did that same thing for you today that, you know, possibly on Monday, but they chose not to do that. So you just hope that whatever deficiencies they've had in their game, they can try to alleviate somewhat by just – contributing better basketball than what they have been doing so far this season. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing if Max and also Christian Wood can get more opportunities and play better. And I know people want Austin Reeves now back in the starting lineup because uh, I know Cam was out of lineup last uh, today. So if they want Austin Reeves back in the lineup. That's great. But just remember, he's got to go ahead and play a little bit better defensively or otherwise it's just back to the six-man role again. 100% Gerald. And uh, as I... Headed back up to Z. Uh, Z, what stands out to me is that on the Lakers, you have Rui, who is a plus 34 tonight. And you also have two Charlotte Hornets, one Miles Bridges and <laughs> the other. Uh, sad to say, Terry Rozier are both minus 30-plus players as well. I think what Gerald said is, is partly true. I also think that a lot of a lot of Laker fans need to also understand that the personnel that the Lakers were, were up against tonight, at least from the guard position, were, were, were not stout, very athletic, kind of very strong guards. Terry Rozier is, like you said, a little long in the tooth and he's slower 
than he used to be. He's not Scary Terry anymore. And Miles Bridges, although for all the offensive attributes he brings, is a negative defender. See, I just thought that in this case, in this game, it was a case of, of knowing your personnel and just hammering them. Okay. I think it's a mixed bag. I actually think it's a mixed bag because um, for what Gerald said, Max and Wood did not play well enough um, during, their, during their time when they were given the opportunity. But at the same time, I think they were misused. I was, I've been saying this, that you should fit what you're doing on the court. Uh, and they haven't. Max and Wood and Hayes are two switching, hedging bigs. But we all know that Darwin once dropped and they can't do that. And that's why they were terrible during their time. Then as for Max, he is not a point of attack defender. He's more of a team defender and a screen navigator kind of guy. And that's why, and that's Austin as well. So you need to put them on the position and the scheme needs to fit these players. Because I think LeBron and AD can do pretty much what they're doing at their position. But as for the other guys, most of them were being misused. For example, Prince wasn't able to hit his shots because he's playing a lot of defense that he has not played in his career. This is the most that Prince has defended in his career. So I think it's more of a mixed bag. And then for the Hornets, they're really bad at defense. They just, um, I think it was just a, it's called variance of shots. They made a lot on the first quarter and then they didn't in the second half. That's how it goes. And for me, that's just it. The, the players need to be in the position that they were good at for it to work. And right today, I think Wood was more paired with AD at some point, I think. So it worked because it's more like switching and hedging instead of him being the lone defender at the center position. And I think that's why he, he played well in this game. To just say that, um, that there's been a lot of discussion um, outside of the Lakers uh, regarding certain roles that certain players have had. And John, I'm going to bring you back in here. Um, Ruiz talked about how at times he's been frustrated with his role in the sense that he hasn't been really given a defined role, according to him. Um, uh, Austin's talked about how at times, you know, he's confused about his role, whether or not he's uh, out there as a facilitator or is he just strictly off ball shooting um and delos talked about that as well um at this at least in this game john 
if Rui or Austin missed a couple shots, they didn't get a quick hook. At least Tam let him play and let him finish out uh, a run. Yeah, uh, that's. Oh, did you see maybe that moving in more positive direction? At least him willing to give guys some slack here because I got to be frank. I think it, it, it's true that he didn't give the same flack to Cam and, and, and Vando that he gave to uh, Rui and Austin when it came to shot selection. I was wanted to get your thoughts on that, brother. Yes, brother, that is such a great point. Honestly, I feel like you read my mind. That's exactly what I was going to get into uh, myself is um, – the, the leash, right? Some some players have shorter leashes and some players have way longer leashes. And it's just like, it, this literally starting to look like it's like a, a, a nepotism type thing where it's like, Dar maybe this is like Darvin Ham's like, un like maybe Darvin Ham's related to, to Cam and related to Torian Prince or something like that to where he's given, he's given some players uh, longer leashes than others. And I, I, D'Lo and AR is one of them. But I, I want to go back to to, to Gerald's point too, because I feel like another two players are Max Christie and, and and Christian Wood. Now I'm not too much on a fan of Max Christie just yet. I do think he's a good basketball player, but I don't know if that's exact. If that's exactly what he's what what we need. I don't know. I don't even know if he's ready really for big time league minutes. But I do think Wood is. I do think Christian Wood is. And I'm not saying let's play Christian Wood like at, at the five, let's give him big time minutes. But he absolutely deserves to get, uh, deserves to have a longer leash and deserves um, to not not just be getting DMPs, like especially with the lack of backup bigs that we have on this team. Like AD, we know what AD does, but we also know that AD needs his breaks because because we don't want him to get too, he's too fragile or, or or and from what we know him to be right. So we need true backup bigs. Now, I don't think anybody on this team is a true, true backup big. The last true backup bigs that we had was in the 2020 team when we had JaVale and, and AD. But if all we got is, is, is Hayes and Wood, there's just no reason that Wood should be getting these DMPs. And it's exactly to, 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 to your point, Magic Man, of Wood has a shorter leash. AR has a shorter leash. Um, Max has a shorter leash. While, while you know, uh, Cam, if he messes up, he he's gonna keep getting some chances. Yeah, but why is that? Let me let me get, let me interject here. I, and I apologize for that, John. Why is that? Why do you think that is? It's because I think I, those guys you mentioned, AR, his defense has not. That's why he's in the bench in the first place because of his defense. Why has Christian Wood sat out games or been been you know DNP'd? I had to I had to because enter he, here, Gerald. Uh, sorry, sorry, because but of his why is if it's the defense, then why is it that Ham is playing D'Lo, Austin, and Prince together over and over when it hasn't worked? And right? because they're playing against Nick and Eunice, that's why they're coming off the bench because they both can't play defense well. You saw, you've seen the issues that they've had as far as playing perimeter defense when they were starters playing against frontline guards. That's been the problem. That's why they give the both were put to the bench is because they've had defensive issues. Why is Cam in there? I'm not the biggest supporter of Cam either, but at least he plays defense and he can guard consistently. The guy can't shoot or score enough to be a consistent starting level, starting shooting guard in the league. But the problem is we don't have a player that meets all those requirements or even some most of those requirements as far as on both sides of the ball. 
that is the problem that we have right now with our entire backcourt. They either can guard but can't shoot, or they can shoot but can't guard. It's just that simple. So if we're gonna give if you no know, if we're gonna talk about one side of the coin as far as defense, like we have to we have to you know look at the other side of the coin, which is that lack of offense production that that Cam Reddish brings. So it's like I yeah I mean I you've do, only got a guy that's seven points a game or five points a game as your starting shooting guard. I said this on the air on playback and on this show. That's a problem. That's why they're looking for at the Levines, the Murrays, the whoever you know guard that you want to go ahead and say out there is because they don't have a guard that can be a two-way player for them right now they just don't max is not good enough uh, and neither is what they have out there right now and when you talk about okay put d and and austin back into the starting lineup like it's the good old days again like earlier well why were they benched both of them in the first place why now because they, now Go ahead. No, go ahead. You finish well, it. no, it's just because of their defense. Ultimately, yeah. it was because of their defense. Now, obviously, as well, D'Lo was struggling with a shot. Now, maybe today will get him the confidence that he needs to go ahead and, and play better. But I don't want to take too much stock in from this game because, again, it was a team that's only won seven games this season. We should Absolutely. be beating them by 20. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we definitely can't take too much too, too much stock into this. But you're, uh, but you're as on far mute, as... by the way, Magic. Oh, but, oh, sorry, Magic. But as far as as far as like us putting all the best defenders out there and getting dang near no offensive production, I just think that that no, that's and not the, the ideal answer. is an ideal mix, yeah. absolutely. But the problem I, is they've not been able to find it yet. Uh, Coach Ham has not been able to find any kind of mix that's worked consistently for them. No lineup that they've thrown out there has met this kind of. I mean, that's why we're seventeen and fifteen. Absolutely. And, but I do one thing I do want to add, what I do want to talk about is like, is that leash? I think that leash has, has a lot to do as to why we haven't have been able to find that consistency. You know, Magic Man talk about there's a lot of players and AR being one of them that's confused with role, confused with minutes. And because of that, because that leash being so, so short, like just because Dar- Darvin Ham is a defensive minded coach doesn't mean that we should just only be playing defensive minded players out there. Like, I agree, we should get that miss, mix match of, little bit of defense a little bit of offense i think joe's right he's in the chat right now he says it best the lakers do not have enough capable day in and day out players and i think that's what it comes down to that's that's different though i'm sorry i have to yeah yeah before you chime in and uh just uh lakers did make history tonight uh, the Lakers are the first team in NBA history, Gerald, to score 130 plus points, dish out 40 plus assists, make 15 plus threes, and shoot 100% from the line, all in the same game. Nice. Now, so, only, if only you could duplicate that for <laughs> copy. No, and well, I think it was. I, I forget who it was in the in the playback, but I think it was Allen or Doobie said, "Can we please play Charlotte three times a year?" <laughs> Like Can everybody else does in the Eastern Conference, please. <laughs> but uh, Z, go 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 right ahead, please. Don't allow don't allow me to uh, but what, let you veer off. I have to agree with Joe, I, with John, because I was questioning Gerald's point of view here. Which if you always there, do. If, go ahead. Yeah, I always do. Sometimes but I I'm agree with you. At the end, so there you go. As Joe but, would say. Why, if it's the defense, if it's the defense, then why is it that 
that lineup they used two games for two games has the worst defensive efficiency. Oh, they were terrible on offense. Well, if it's not working, they were. then you change it. But, but, but that's yeah, the I, thing. I didn't say I'd never said it. But the, again, he's going to continue but to that's play the that thing. way. It's Cam about balance. Because they were one and one. But you also got to remember, why is... I just don't think that Ham is a defensive coach. I'm just, well, I'm just saying I'm that... I'm not going to disagree with you there. I just, he is not. Ham's, not. Ham's not a good coach. This is something we've all agreed on, is that Darvin Ham is not a good coach for this team. No, but, but you said that... He's focusing on the defense. I never said when, that. I've never said that. I said that he's had players playing there that have a focus on defense. I'm saying the reason why that Austin and D'Lo were benched at separate times was a, part, a great reason why was because of their perimeter defense. You've got to understand, and you see, you know this, you've talked about this, how many times Austin Reese was picked on as far as by the other teams. Remember when just last week with the Oklahoma City, when SGA went at him time and time and time again when he was playing against the first unit teams. Same thing with D'Lo, but D'Lo got worse because not only was he not giving the defense, uh, even though he was still giving his playmaking, as John would tell you, his defense was, you know, was terrible, but his shooting was bad. When his scoring and shooting capabilities are bad, D'Lo is not a frontline starter for you. And if he plays like he that. did today, I agree with that. if he plays like he did today, that makes it better. But the thing is, that's the problem. When you have D'Lo and Austin out there, defensively, they get picked on. It's just that simple. Agreed. But everyone is getting picked on, though. Everyone is getting picked on. Steph Curry is getting picked on. Trey Young is getting picked on. But at the same time, for example, today, Steph was our well, that's why that's why they the Golden lost, State Warriors but, are a 500 team right now. But when but Steph you make, wasn't but playing you make better, something but out of there though. But Clay you, you gotta make better. something for it to work though. But when Clay Thompson was better, Wiggins was better. They had a better defense. How many championships did they win during that period of time? And Steph, but and Steph encouraged that. Let me add that real quick. Stephen Curry, that throughout all them championships, was still getting hunted on defense. But you know what oh. he did have? He had a good coach who, who was able to put the players well, and able exactly. to. Exactly. Despite exactly. what he goes say, they, they had a good coach. Yes. He was able, he, they, they had a, a, at least a coach that was common sense enough or sane enough to be able to run defensive sets and have players enough to where it's like, yeah, Stephen Curry is going to be a defensive liability out there, but that's why I got Klay Thompson out there. That's why I got all these other players to just play some great help defense. It's like, you know what? You don't need to get stops. You don't need to be this great perimeter defender. I just need you to be able to stay in front of the defender enough, at least to hedge enough to where our good defenders can come and help. And that, and that's, that's where, where I have the disagreement with you, Gerald is like, I, I totally understand about AR and D'Lo having like the shorter leash because of the, of the defensive inefficiencies. But I think that you have to, you, you, we can't just go completely to the defense. And oh, I didn't, have a I didn't lineup. but I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with you. I never did. I'm just saying why they're out there. I didn't say I agreed with it. I've never said I agree with it. I'm you, you asked me why Cam and Vando are out there, despite what Z says about the numbers, despite what Jovan Buha puts out there about the numbers is because a shorter leash as well too they like were, I, well they were they're out they're out there starting because of their defense i didn't say yeah. i agree with it i just said they're out there on the defense don't please don't misquote okay but you're misquoting me okay i got you but but let me let me ask you this the, good on defense not that good on offense and then oh, they're ver, terrible then, on offense okay Absolutely and terrible. then 
And then, DeAng- and then D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves, good on offense or better on offense and not that good on defense. So they both got give and takes. I just – my issue is, and I think what me and Z are saying is, there's just no reason as to why uh, Prince and Cam is getting a longer leash than well, D'Lo and they figure out Prince, why Prince got to this point. I mean, Prince found his rhythm finally and became, you know, a more consistent outside shooter. But there was that period but of time But do you know why? Do you know why, Gerald? It. Do you know why – Prince actually got his rhythm because he's playing. He's not playing he play, he that much defense game. anymore. He's not playing that much defense anymore him, because of Vando and Cam. He was to still lining fair. up against the other team's best to, perimeter to be players. To fair to Durbin Ham, he is on, on he many has occasions. Made, he has made an effort not to play Prince more than thirty minutes a game in the past uh, few days. And remember That's his really, comments really, about AR saying he didn't want to play him more than twenty-eight minutes a game as well. Yes, a lot of people well, are still and, trying and to figure as, that as one we, out. As we focus more and more, because he gets in, too tired or something of that uh, nature. This, I, I on think this microscopic discussion about yeah. minutes, Gerald. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna play Vando with eighty off the floor, you have to put him beside another shooting big. You can't. Well, I, I'm not disagreeing yeah, it, with you. Yeah, you can't like in the regular seasons. One thing you lose those minutes. If you lose those two or three minutes in the playoffs, it could be the difference between a series being two-two and three-one, and you need to solidify that problem. And maybe it's a backup center. Maybe the problem solves itself. But that's one small issue that you need to resolve quickly because you can't have Vando on the floor without another shooter beside him in the front oh, i'm not disagreeing eight, with you if, there if, AD, if ad's you have to find a happier mix. Yeah, you, you have to find as a and coach so, you have to find a happier mix on offense and defense for that and starting that, and unit. that's it's Gerald, and that's why you've said you've emphasized that they're going to need wood eventually and that that's the reason because you saw when ad was on the bench vando looked pretty comfortable with wood out there because wood was able to be a space eater and make his shots. I, if I he think shoots that... 35, 37%, that solves your problem. But when he's struggling at 27% yeah. for the season, that's a problem. And the things like you saw, and you mentioned with Joe on playback, where PJ Washington took him to school and just went, drove right around him for an easy basket and won, you guys were commenting, well, there's Christian Wood again. But if he's hitting at least three-point shots on the other end, some of those concerns in his minutes go away he's just got to shoot it at an average level or better that would be that's it to to me i'm not even to me i'm not even like you know if 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 he hits a three in today's nba game like so so many teams are shooting threes like that's great but that's not even necessarily what i'm focused on like what i'm looking him for him to do i'll be honest is just pick and pop teams to death because what he what he can do is knock that little mid-range down if you see if you Maybe if you, maybe not this year, Christian, because he hasn't got that that opportunity. But if you've gotten to see Christian Wood any past years, he has that little pick and pop midi down. And I think that if we can just get him in there with a little bit more consistency, uh, he can knock that down and then be able to stretch that stretch that out to the three point line. So I mean, like honestly, agreed. The answer, like the answer is, is probably not Christian Wood to where we want to get to, which is you know that 18th banner. But this is what we got right now. So. I to me, there, there, there's just no reason he should continue to get DMPs, and if so, then maybe a mid-season firing is in the works. 
I just again, it, there, he needs to Ham needs to find a better mix in the starting lineup because the starting lineup Absolutely. that he has, rec- I understand he made the change to go because Delo has had like several games where he was just absolutely awful from out there, and you, you were questioning Did, his work ethic, you were questioning fact, his focus, yeah. yeah, you were questioning everything. Sean was saying it, I was saying it, it was pretty apparent. I just want Ham to find a, a lineup that has a better mix of offensive defense that's more competitive that will allow us to be more competitive early on instead of having these terrible starts to each and every game that we seem to have be having. Even against tonight, we, we were down in the first quarter to Charlotte, a team that we should have just blown out the doors from right from the get-go. Yeah, and Gerald, it's kind of it's kind of that that game kind of emphasized what the Lakers are like from the three-point line because over the past 10 games, we've shot over 42%, man. Mm-hmm. But look at a record in those 10 games. It's four and six. <laughs> like, you know? It, it's, there, there, there's, yeah. there's no right answer. No. I, I, no. But, I mean, there, there's got to be. How a, many attempts, though? Have... How many attempts? How many attempts? Yeah. Oh, about I'm around the, 32. I'll... I think it's right around 32, it, 33. It's low. It's, it's yeah. low. It's, yeah. It's like, th- I think it's less than 350. I think when I saw it, it was like 338 or something. But regardless, uh, even with the problems, they still managed to shoot over 40% the last 10 games, Gerald, but can't make head, uh, any headway as far as uh, climbing the standings there. And a lot of that. Well, we're going to see with... this weekend, though. We are going to see this weekend because LeBron James will be healthy when they play the Minnesota Timberwolves. Darvin Ham said he's going to play both of them for both games. He doesn't foresee a problem outside of an injury that that pops up. So he just said that on Twitter. I mean, that was reported as far as from the from the uh, after game press conference. So, yeah, this is good. This is good competition, Gerald. Kind of saw earlier this this week with the the Northwest beating each other up. This is when you have to make your move in the Western Conference. I mean, there's there's 50 games left now. 32 games in, 50 games left. Have to start getting a little bit more serious about this going yeah, forward. This is this is this this is kind of the the soft hard part of the schedule where you need to make hay this point in time, just a little bit before the All Star break. And and the Lakers uh, have just to let you know. I'm sorry again. My apologies, Magic. They have uh, the majority of their games at home next month. Uh, that was reported also. Uh, that was a good, I think, Trudell. Or was it? Yeah, uh, popped that up uh, as far as it's, it's got concerned. a good home record right now. It's what, yeah. 11 and 3, 11 and 4 now? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got a lot of home cooking. Like Joe said, remember Joe's uh, himself said that, you know, they have, you know, was it in February or when they, when they were to stay mm-hmm. in, the, in the Pacific time zone for the, for the majority of the month. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, again, they just got to get through this tough stretch. Uh, would close out the year with a couple good wins. But yeah, I'm not going to argue with either one of you. At this point, you just got to try and see what sticks and see what works because obviously the starting lineup now, statistics-wise, doesn't bear out both offensive and defensively. But again, you throw you, we threw D'Lo and, you know, and, and Austin out there for 20 games, 25 games. That wasn't the answer. You throw out Cam and Vando out there, that isn't the answer. So you're going to have to keep on trying. And, and if you're the coach, don't be afraid to to try new things with this lineup because it's 17 yeah, and 15. Yeah, like, yeah. You, like, you know, don't be afraid to MacGyver this thing. 
That's what you don't do. fall in love with players. Just, don't fall in love with Tory do. or fall in love with players. This is this isn't a perfect situation. When they're not playing, you're not, you're not James Bond. You don't have Q, you don't have Q in your ear, letting you know where all the secret uh, subs are underneath the uh, the pool. Well, let me just say uh, this: I don't you're MacGyver, go- Gerald. You've got a couple rolls of duct tape. Um, well, let me just say, let me just say, knife. yeah. And I, I'm just sorry. My apologies, MacGyver. <laughs> just let me just say this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll Z and 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 John should, and you get the majority time rest for for for, for the rest of the time. Um, if you're the coach, you should just not fall in love with players when they're not playing well. If they're not playing well, don't be afraid to put in someone else. That's all I ask. If it's Christie is the hot guy after a game like today, play him. If it's Wood, now the hot guy, play him. You know, don't be afraid to put guys out there that are on a hot streak that are playing well, because you know that that just builds confidence, and you never know where that can take you. You get put, you keep on putting guys out there. When when we saw for like what, how many games was Prince struggling out there, and everybody wanted just like what is what is Ham thinking? Why is Ham relying on it? That's the thing. All I'm asking is just put players out there who give you the best chance to win each and every game. Doesn't matter who it is. That's all I ask. You got as a coach, you just have to understand that. Just don't be on your set patterns and like, oh, it's his time to come in. Oh, it's his time to come in. That's what it says on the list. No, whoever's playing the best, put them in. It gives you the best chance to win. That's all I ask. And then I'll just absolutely and then one one thing i'll add to that is like um you know throughout my life you know when i played basketball one thing that i've one thing i've always noticed and even just you can just watch the nba and pick it up matchups is everything it's all about matchups and every single night it's going to be different matchups and you're going to have different different players that uh, match up differently with different teams around the league so just like how gerald said uh, you know don't be don't be stuck to your ways. Don't get married to one lineup. And I think also even as fans, like we can't we, we can't get married to one lineup of like, oh, okay, this is the starting lineup. Okay, this, like I think every game it's gonna it's kind of a situational thing. Uh, but I do want to kind of go back to a point where um where we were talking about like, well, we we don't know if 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 uh, Cam and them are the answer. Like I don't even think. D'Lo and AR are the answer, the answer to what we want, because I'm looking at number eight, raising banner number 18. I don't think none, none of that is the answer to what we want. But, you know, it's it's like I said earlier in the show, it's like, but but what are we what are we going to do? We're not going to go out and just get Anthony Edwards. You know what I'm saying? We're going to we got to stick with what we have. And what we got is is, is is this right here. And just like how Gerald said, we just need to find this mixture of some good defense to where, you know, if we do have a D'Lo out there to play make, or we do have an awesome use out there to go just score and get us some buckets, we can t- we can tuck them on defense. We can hide them on defense. I may be putting the cam next to him, maybe putting the Vando next to him, but we just, Darvin Ham can't just say, oh, well, I'm a defensive-minded coach, and we're going to go ahead and run with a, a lineup of, of Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Torian Prince, Rui, LeBron, and NAD. It's just like, you just you just relying too much uh, on on LeBron James to score. We uh, Doobie said I disagree with that. Different starting lineups every game. I mean, to you you got to look at it, Doobie. I mean, every every single team 
has, you know, every team in the league plays differently. Every team in the league has different starting lineups. So we can't just stick with with one team. Like, you know, yeah, it's for, not like Boston where you have five set just these, players that, they, that, that can switch so much for them. Literally yeah. everything. Yeah, we don't we don't have that starting lineup. The, the Boston Celtics, they can have a set lineup. You know why? Because exactly like Gerald said, they can genuinely switch one through five, every everyone out there. And they're and, one of only two teams who can do that. Only Boston, Denver can really do that. Exactly. Uh, Philly flirt, Philly can flirt with it at times, but they're not good at it when they do do it uh, continuously. Uh, you could say the same thing about OPC right now, um, but I think given the the youth there, that that's merely a, a matter of time. But yeah, John, there's only two teams that can that could play that kind of defense right now. Exactly. So, 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 so that's what I'm saying to where like, we just have to, we have to be able to have, we have to be able to be, be versatile. And I think the biggest issue right now is we got a guy in the sideline that what we like to do, what we like to do over here is the Mr. Warm hands, uh, Darwin warm hands ham. And he's not versatile. He doesn't make the switches that we need. And he, he was like, Oh wow, this worked against the Detroit Pistons. Okay. Let's go ahead and try it against the Boston Celtics. It's like, these are two different teams. And as a coach, you need to be able to figure that out. And unfortunately, um, we just we don't have the right coach to figure that out. Um, well, let me ask you this, Doobie, uh, and uh, let's get back to Z because I know Z has uh, your thoughts. Z, uh, Doobie wants to run the playoff lineup again. We haven't run that because of Vando's injury much this season. Is that a good option for the team at this time? I think they should because, um, as we know, we on they only played like one minute together. One minute, the entire time that Vando was back. But I'm more actually concerned about the rotation. I said this earlier with Sean that I'm more concerned about hamstring rotation after the starting lineup versus the starting lineup itself. Because what I what before the before this change up. Um, according to the stats, D'Lo, Prince, AD, Cam, and LeBron has a defensive rating of 108. That's good. That's good because what we figured out during this season is that you need a balance of shooting, which is the two guards. And I consider Prince as a guard. He's not a wing. He plays like a guard. He's more of an off-ball shooter, and plays more standstill. He's not a. He's not. He doesn't play like a wing. That's what I'm saying. So those two, and then a combination of either Cam or Vando, then LeBron and AD. That's that's the formula for this to balance out the offense and the defense, because D'Lo and Austin are great as an off-ball guards. That's why that starting lineup with Vando worked in the playoffs. They're not being targeted because Vando is on the point of attack. Um, Austin is very good. He's very good as a screen navigator. So he's on the shooter all the time. Um, Dilo is on the non... I think it's more of a non-offensive um player or something that's how it works with them and that's how you should work it out but i think on ham's mind 
Prince is stuck on that starting lineup. In my opinion, that's what I'm seeing, that he's in love with Prince, just like he was in love with Dennis. But at least Dennis is a guard. He's on the point of attack. This time, you can't have that because Prince is not a good screen navigator. He's okay with point of attack, but mostly um, it's like forcing the player to go inside to AD than really defending it. If you if you get what I mean, it's more like it's more like a team defender than than a point of attack defender. So I think he's stuck with it. So for me, I think the Austin Prince. Cam or Vando, Braun and AD will work same as it will work if it's um, Vando, D'Lo, Prince, LeBron, AD. It will work too because it's it's just about balance, and that's why when I saw the starting lineup today, it was Rui, Braun, and AD, then Vando as your point of attack defender. Prince on the other uh, on the other guard, then Rui, at LeBron, and AD can switch, and they didn't do that on the first quarter. They didn't they did that on the third quarter, and they wrecked havoc because that's how you do it. You need the style of play of each player should fit. You know the scheme should fit the style of the player. If if that's what I'm saying, it needs to fit. It, it needs to fit, otherwise it's not gonna work. And it's the same thing with Wood. I think that actually, based on what I've seen on Wood, he's not, even last year in Dallas, I was watching the games, he is much better when there's a center with him. He's much better with a center with him on defense because he's more on a hedge defender than just on drop, just a lone center. So he works well with Rui and LeBron or with Hayes, him, AD, Wood. Those things work. And we know this because the data, if you saw the two, two-man lineup, three-man lineup, four and five, it shows you that it worked. But Ham is in love with some of the lineups that doesn't, and that's the Prince, D'Lo, and Austin. He used that again in the first quarter. Finally, he didn't on the third, and they went on a run. I think it's more about balancing this and using the data that shows you that, coach, this doesn't work. Why are we still using this? This doesn't work no matter what you do, no matter what lineup this is if these three guys are in here it's not gonna work because the data shows it and if if it's true that ham is following analytics the analytics is saying otherwise so why are he doing it i'm just confused by all of this because before i all i'm calling out is before our only problem is one player oh the cannot be here so we need to change that. But now it's the entire thing, aside from AD and LeBron. So there's something wrong here that they need to fix as a team. 
otherwise we're just gonna see it for the whole season if they oh. don't make a trade. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. If you have a better movie in the can, why is that not the movie that you released in the first place? I would say it's more culturally relevant than The Simpsons and Rick and Morty. Like, it has become a staple of American entertainment. I think Dragon Age 4 is carrying the future of Bioware on its shoulders. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Sorry about the woe. I just, I, I'm not going to lie. I read uh, Kenny... Kenny B. Williams comments in the in the chat, and he said, we can't beat Nuggets, Mavericks, Clippers, or Wolves in a seven-game series. I'm not going to lie. We don't got to necessarily get into this. I know this isn't a Timberwolves episode, a podcast or show, but the Timberwolves are not real come playoffs. The playoffs and regular season are two totally different things. So that's the reason why I said, whoa. But great point, Z. I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. And some people in the chat were giving you some love saying, you should coach. <laughs> John, you're on mute. Before, before we head on out, uh, we haven't really done um, a roundtable in the NBA um, landscape drilled outside of the Lakers. Uh, tonight, the Detroit Pistons were up by as much as 21 points on the best team in the NBA drilled. And they watched it slip through their fingers. They clutched defeat from the jaws of victory tonight and set an inexplicable, disastrous record for Detroit basketball drill, losing their 28th straight game. If they lose on December 31st in Toronto drill to the Toronto Raptors, they will be the record holder, 29-game losing streak. What's your opinion about what you're seeing in Detroit, Gerald? It's a mess, and you've paid how much to Monty Williams? He's the highest-paid coach in the NBA. So you've got the highest-paid coach in the NBA coaching the absolute worst team possibly you know, right up there as possibly in the history of this league. And, uh, you know, at Magic, like you said, Toronto better not be the team that actually loses. Uh, you should actually go to the game just so in case that Toronto does lose. You can I, I, have a fr- I have a friend who's be- like, I, I'm dealing with some personal stuff right now. He's begging me to go to the game because every game we've gone to, we've gone to three together. Two have been against Detroit and we've won. So he's like, they're begging me to go to this game they're going to show this guy in a lakers uh outfit just like laughing hysterically right there in the uh, Gerald, i just have this sneaking hey, that looks like that. sean yeah i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna walk uh go to the dog park okay. on, uh, sean, on january do you 1st want me- do you want me to comment on monty's coaching sure Please do because it's been absolutely. It was, it was funny because it was funny because they're doing well lately, right? Than than before, it was because Monty was so was so stuck on the on opening the mid range game for his players than attacking the paint. I am just confused. Why are they not? They're a young team. 
if you're a young team with those legs and athleticism that they have, you should first start with attacking the paint, then opening it up. But since the Suns, it was the same thing because they're they're just opening up that mid-range and that's not the game of their players. And that's what I'm saying. And also, he started the season with Jaden Ivey on the bench. What? What? He's your lone shooter, man. He's he's the only shooter on the team. I was laughing at it, but he benched him. And now, if you saw the stats, Jaden, Ivy, Duran, and Cam together actually has a positive net rating because they work because their games work together. Unfortunately, Monty didn't start the season with it. And he just changed it because I think someone from the upper management told him that you cannot, you cannot do this, man. You cannot do this. But that's what I'm seeing on Montes, Montes coaching. It was, it was weird because the, it is. They it have is a weird. lot of athleticism on that team, and they're not using it. They're, they are not. They are not. And look, I, I want people to understand something. It is really hard to lose 28 straight games in an 82-game season. That is very difficult to do, especially with the pace of play and the fact that outside of 15 elite to very great players, the level of talent is almost equal at a certain given point. And Plus, you figured it, they would have at some point in time, just like San Antonio did, they would run into a team like the Lakers, we've had, you know, players out of the lineup or something like that, or, you know, a team that had injuries or something out of lineup to the point where you were just going to go ahead and catch them on an off night like San Antonio did when they broke that 18-game losing streak against the Lakers. But yet they've not been able to find that. And I, I think that comes down to the coach as well. I think Monty Williams, uh, very, uh, I've liked his, what he's done as far as his coaching jobs in the past. And I'm just very disappointed by what he's, what I see. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to be too hard on the guy because, you know, he's probably already heard quite a bit of it in Detroit, but yeah, they've just, uh, in 28 games, you've not been able to find enough as a NBA team to, to pull out one win. It's, it's truly unbelievable magic. It, it is, it is Gerald. Um, hard, hard to, hard to believe, but here we are. And uh, to Joe's credit, uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, Joe Soro was surmising that he didn't think that the Charlotte Hornets were all that uh, much more uh, less putrid than the Detroit Pistons. And to Joe's credit, if you look at the point differential, only a, let, only a little bit more than half a point separates Charlotte and Detroit from, from seven wins to two wins. Uh, that's how abysmal uh, the Eastern Conference has been so thus far, Gerald. And uh, adding on to that, Gerald, the Miami Heat took care of business tonight against the Golden State Warriors. And uh, in the Pacific Division, the Warriors and the Suns right now can't seem to find any traction whatsoever. They'll look good for a week, look okay for another week, and then just look absolutely lost for another week. Uh what do you make of what's going on in that goal? 
with Golden State and also as well with what you've got with uh, Phoenix, those two teams. Go ahead, Magic. Yeah, it, yeah, I think you got Z-Zers. Okay, there she is. So, yeah, just when it comes right down to it, Magic, when you've got a team that's uh, like the Lakers, they're they are reflective. They're, we're all 500 teams. We're all playing like it. We all have our you know deficiencies that's been pointed out and exploited by other teams, yet at times we look like we can you know be world beaters. Golden State last week, they were on a five-game winning streak and looked like they were going to be able to get back in the thick of things and just fell, went off the rails. And then uh, same thing with Phoenix. Phoenix, though, gets Bradley Beal back. Will that make them a better team? We'll have to find out. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just very disappointing from what we've seen from all three of these teams so far. But that that's good for the Lakers because if they continue to struggle, then maybe that'll give the Lakers a chance to go ahead and move up in the Western Conference standings. Again, this weekend's going to be a big test. If they can finish out the weekend 2-0, and Heading into 2024, uh, who knows? Who knows what you can take with that kind of momentum? Uh, who knows, Gerald, indeed, especially with uh, a team like the New Orleans Pelicans that you're fighting for positioning here. Uh, at, you know, having a, a two-game lead on them in a season series would bode well for trying to get into the top six. Um, and... Finally, at the at the end of the night, Z, I'll leave the the final comments for you. Um, Nikola Jokic made history again tonight, Z. Uh, it's his third triple double, where he shot a hundred percent from the field, a hundred percent from the free throw line. Only Nikola Jokic and Wilt Chamberlain have done that, Z, and they've both done it three times now. Um, even yeah. without even without Jaw, Denver showed why they're still an elite team, and it's because of the Joker. Yeah, I mean, Jokic is really good. When you're a playmaker and you're that tall, that's your best player on the team because playmakers are hard to find, especially... It's kind of weird because people were saying that centers are gone because of the Warriors era, but it really wasn't. It was just that at that time, there wasn't much uh, skilled bigs, but now the skills are on the bigs, like Embiid, AD, Jokic, um, Cap. That's so true. That's so true, Z. It used to be that traditionally you basically you kind of built your team like a triangle. You had your center at the top, you had your fast guard, and then you had your corner man. It's almost as if because of the revolution of the three-point shot, Z, you've basically combined a corner man with a center. And, yeah. and that's what we're seeing with Chet Holmgren and Wemby and Jokic. But Jokic is different because he's he's the prototypical big. He's slow, and you're gonna win against him if you have a I don't know a wing attacker that is also a playmaker. You can do that. But I I actually watched this interview earlier with Jokic about the 2020 Lakers, 
And that's the reason why they got Aaron Gordon, because he saw that that was a team that he has having a lot of difficulty going out. So he said, okay, give me a, you know, a, a big hair with me so that we can play together. And at the same time, I think Jokic is, he just honed that, that um, post-op offense so much that he's like Shaq. Shaq was just dunking on people, but Jokic is like those flip shots, um, hook shots, floaters. He's so good at it. That's why I was I was so uh, I was so confused by, for example, D'Angelo's game. Where's your floater, man? Where is it? And those are skills that are so hard to come by, and you're not using it. You're supposed it's a it's a drop it's a drop uh, I call that a drop um, breaker. It's like a drop breaker because if you have a drop big and you have a floater, you're just gonna do it. For uh, for Rui, for example, he's a zone breaker because if you're on a zone, he's just gonna go to the mid range and shoot it. That's how you do it in today's game. So for me, Jokic is like this. Uh, He's like a wing, yeah. That's maybe he he got his game from Wilt, and that's why. And but they're good at it, right, Sean? Those Balkan guys—they're really good at it. They're good at producing big, offensive, and playmaking centers. But look at it, Jokic. Then now, Schengen. They're really good at producing those because they know that playmaking at that center position is so vital. If you're there, a hundred percent Z. We, right, uh, that's how they play. Definitely, you know, you have uh, you have Sabonis in Sacramento, and then you have Jakob Pertl in Toronto. Yeah. The, yeah. the number of centers that have become playmakers all of a sudden in the NBA is is both. Uh, very, very pleasantly surprising, as Z has said, because you know the everybody had thrown the the baby out with the bathwater, the center out with with uh, the revolutionary uh, three point shooting. But I, I mean, the center position is integral as ever. Gerald, did you have anything to add to that? No, Z uh, pointed out very eloquently. I, I think uh, I agree with her assessment on that, and you know, it, it's just getting to the oh, point but- where. But I Wait. have, Sean. I have because I was okay, watching sure, this American, sure. this American ahead, players. I, I just wanted to. I just wanted to say that the right now it's going to be so interesting the way Joel Embiid is playing. Uh, who is going to win that MVP between him and Jokic? Because once again, it looks like those two are the dominant forces playing at such a high level right now, and it's great to see. It's absolutely great to see. Yeah, definitely. But my comment is, um, I was watching this American. Americans are always about athleticism, right? And not strength. It's more about how fast you can go. But if you look at it, I think... Yeah, but if you look at it, aside from LeBron, there's no one. There's no one. And playmaking is the hardest of all talents. 
it's a skill that is so hard because you need to be you need to pass that ball on time on target and on the the pocket of your teammate so you need to have a high iq for that to happen but all i'm seeing is this hardened hardened life playmakers that's a lot of dribbling a lot of it was so bad <laughs> i was looking at it, it was why why can't you pass it why are you dribbling so much i think harden his game was so um it was like good on tv mm-hmm. to look at that a lot of players were like oh i'm gonna cap- copy that but it wasn't Harden is also a playmaker. You don't have that talent. Why is it? You're just exactly. dribbling around, but you can't pass it. No, I'm just serious that you need, in order for you to be a really good player, you need to have a high IQ and you need to pass that ball. And what I'm saying is that there's a lot of Americans that that's the last thing that they want to pass. It's all about shooting, shooting, shooting when the hardest of all skills is passing and playmaking. Absolutely, Z. Uh, couldn't agree more. And uh, this is a great show. want to thank everybody for tuning in. Gerald, live from Burbank, California, from Universal Big- Studios. Hopefully you had a wonderful time, Gerald. I did. I did a lot of walking and uh, just, uh, you know, just really cool to be there. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to go back because uh, it's always great fun going there. A big shout out to John Costa from Clutch Talk and Lakers Corner. Please give him a big shout out. Big subscribe if you can for his great channels. And of course, Joe Soro, who was on earlier live from New York. It was Saturday Night Joe. It was Saturday Night Joe. And Joe, thank you for. Uh, I, I like the fact I like low key Joe because he was <laughs> had to be on his best behavior because he's sharing the same hotel room with the with the girls and whatnot. So you couldn't. Yes, and I think they asked him to leave the room because there was a distinct echo yes. in the second half of his appearance that I think yeah. he was speaking in the uh, hallway of the whatever floor but he it was, was low on. Joe's Joe it was low target. Yes, Sean. You yes. hear the echo, Joe. Yes. We could hear it. There was no ranting, no raving, no screaming, no cursing. It was just, you know, Sean, this is my thoughts. There you go. That's absolutely it's like all just having like a normal conversation. It's like uh, almost weird. I'm like, am I in the right uh playback.tv channel? I think, you know, because Joe was calm cool and collected throughout the entire show with you as far as the game is concerned. Now, mind you, the, the Lakers helped with a big blowout win, but yeah, he just, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have had the, um, it's not the same Joe I'm used to. No, it's not. He wouldn't have had the same motivation. I think Gerald to scream at the top of his lungs uh, in a hotel with other guests around. It's all right when he's around us and family, uh, but uh, good for Joe for keeping it together and thank you for coming on. And Z, thank you for joining me on yes. the pregame. Yeah, thank you guys. And playback. Thank you guys. Salama. Z, thank you very much. Everybody, Lakers win 133, 112, 17 and 15. We're on for a mini two game road Eighth trip. place. We hopped Eighth up a place. spot. We'll see you on Saturday, everybody. Later. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Go Lakers. Go Lakers.